Well, welcome or welcome back to another episode of Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug. It has been a hot minute since I have recorded a full-on episode of one of these. But this is episode 158 of the Mainline Podcast, if you can believe that. 158? Do I have that right? Yes, I do. Of course, to my great chagrin, episode 157 was recorded back in like July of 2022, and it's now May of 2023, and... I deeply regret the absence and the gap in recording. The uh, The timing is notable because, of course, that does coincide with when I left my career at Honeywell, took on a different career, and, you know, that has been going actually phenomenally well, if I do say so myself, but it has definitely been an uptick in the pace of my life and just how busy my life tends to get when, um, well, anyways... It's been a crazy, crazy few months, and I've been busier than ever with work and with other things too, and so I just have not had time to really get to the podcast, but I'm hoping that going forward, I'm able to do at least somewhat more regular recordings. We will see if I can make that happen. And this may wind up being the last traditionally structured episode of Spam, 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 Humbug as well. Still toying with an idea for some format changes. I'm kind of finalizing those. But you know what? It was such a good discussion that why not just have at least one last hurrah for the traditional Spam, 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 Humbug episode format before I go adding all sorts of fiddly little bits and seeing whether I like them or not. Of course, I may just decide to keep the traditional format too because that's kind of just the way my mind works. But at any rate... This was a fun little discussion, if I do say so myself. The principal topic was what your elevator pitch or what the elevator pitch would be if you had, you know, one shot, just a minute or so, to pitch the idea for a new Ultima to somebody who could actually make a new Ultima. What would that look like? What kind of game would you design? What would it entail? Interesting discussion with a few new faces or new voices to the podcast, at any rate and some very interesting ideas shared. Well worth a listen. And by all means, of course, we would love to hear your thoughts on Facebook or comments on the website or whatever. Just share your thoughts with us because we'd like to hear them. Right. That's enough for me. Let's get to that episode. Well, I guess first off, just a quick round of introductions because, you know, got some old and new voices on tonight. So, um, you know, actually, I forget. Is it Seer Dragon or is it a hard C? You know, it, it worked. I, I always said it was Sayer, but I've been okay. called Seer for so long that I just I kind of go by what, whatever they say. A soft just C, not, not, not care. <laughs> right. Usually misspelled as Clear Dragon. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Yeah, I, I would have misseen it as C-A-E-R without oh, yeah. paying closer attention just because I spent so much time doing, like, uh, Irish myth stuff or playing Shadowrun or whatever that cares are just a thing. It has been egregiously misspelled throughout, like, my Ultima careers. It's like always been my Ultima handle. Even, like, I went and did an interview for EA Mythic, right, for when Richard was going to the Game Developers Conference for some award, and, like, they put my name up, and this interview was, like, black and white and everything. It was, they just swapped the letters around. I was like, oh, God. At least it didn't call me clear. 
<laughs> there you go. But yeah, Sayer Dragon, uh, longtime UO fan. Uh, I've been maintaining Ultima 6 online since about 2010. Big collector and enthusiast. Nice. Uh, software engineer by trade. Awesome. And of course, we also heard the dulcet toes of Golden Flame Dragon in there. Dulcet. That's a word that no one has ever applied to me before. And that's why I did it. <laughs> well, thank you. Hi, it's good to be uh, here again. It's been uh, been some time. Yeah, well, it's been some time since I've done a recording, but we won't talk about that. No, because... I was willing to accept the blame. <laughs> <laughs> Big, yes, we don't need to talk about that because we have someone new, actually, a new voice joining us, and that is also the originator of our topic for the evening, but uh, Comic Strip Critic. Good evening. Hello, thank you. Okay. <laughs> we'll keep oh, going. Sorry. I, this was kind of impromptu. I'm, uh, I'm very new to the Ultima scene. I'm not a hardcore enthusiast. Uh, Ultima 5, I think, was released before I was even born. Uh, I didn't know the franchise was a thing until about 2010 or 12 or so. Uh, I admit that, relatively speaking, I'm kind of one of those more Johnny-come-lately guys who found the series through uh, the YouTube reviews by Spoonie. Um, but I've still just been fascinated by the franchise since then, learned it, uh, trying to work my way through Ultima 4 these days. Uh, I've never actually beaten a game, but I just wanted to find a community uh, where I could just, you know, talk about this old series that I think still has a whole lot of interesting potential and potentially, uh, if it were ever to get resurrected, I think that'd be really neat, but Very seems cool. kind of like a dream. Well, you found the right community, and that was a pretty good segue because you that was the idea that you pitched out there for a discussion topic this evening, and I mean, what you said on the Discord server is correct. You know, there's probably a, a million elevator pitches out there for an Ultima reboot. I'm sure every Ultima fan kind of has their own imagining of what that would look like. You're not wrong. Yeah. And and certainly we've seen one attempt to do that. Well, no, at least two. At least two that I know of. One that actually saw the light of day for a while and one that was only ever on paper. But uh And are you thinking Ultima Forever? That's the one that saw the light of day. And then I was also thinking the one that Obsidian was at least templating and, and contemplating back in, I can't even, 2016? Obsidian Entertainment? Yeah. For, for a while there, they were pitching the idea of doing some kind of Ultima reboot. And, I mean, ultimately it never materialized, but yeah. there was some great excitement about it. And you can find, there's a couple of larger articles that surfaced about this some years back. I probably have it on the codex as well for, for that matter. It's just surprising to me that there's nothing really solid since it just seems like ultimate just seems like a very licensable IP to me. Well, at this and I, point. Sus I suspect that if dragon age hadn't come along or rather that if dragon age hadn't been part and parcel of the Bioware acquisition, um, yeah, because EA was looking for, a fantasy RPG property again. And about the time that they acquired Bioware, Bioware had Dragon Age more or less ready to go out the door. So that satisfied that. And the rest is history, right? We've had now, you know, two other Dragon Age games on top of the original and a fourth one imminent. Right. You've also had the Elder Scrolls franchise, which started off in the mid-90s with Arena and Daggerfall. And Skyrim is still being ported to 
just about everything under the sun. I think they even released an audio only port for, uh, sorry, everyone listening and Amazon for Alexa or the Amazon echo. Even you could play a version of it, which curious. I mean, why not? And also why, but, but also why not? Yeah. But also why not? (laughs) And yeah. And I mean like, and Skyrim, obviously like the Elder Scrolls, it's not an EA property, right? But like EA, you know, they had their fantasy RPG. And they're good with that. And I can't remember what other series someone was complaining about on the Ultimate Dragons Facebook page, but there was another one recently where like EA was refusing to license some other old property. So for a while there, the story was definitely that, you know, there was a certain animus against Ultima um, within EA. But it has been pointed out before that anybody who would have had that animus um, towards Richard, towards Ultima, has long since left the company or in some cases died. So it probably isn't the case that that is still what's happening, but equally they do seem to be very cagey with a lot of their older properties and they don't necessarily want to license them out. And after what happened with wing commander, I'm not entirely sure I can entirely blame them. Forgive my, Forgive the new guy's ignorance. Uh, what happened with Wing Commander? I know that was the other big origin property besides Ultima, but I oh, am far less knowledgeable on it. Gosh. So, oh boy. essentially, this company, and I have to look up... Uh, I have to look up which company it was, because I will probably not... Uh, right. So, it was Piranha Games, um, who you may also recognize as the developers behind MechWarrior online. So Piranha Games evidently licensed the Wing Commander name and IP from Electronic Arts. And what's more, Electronic Arts, this would have been kind of roughly concurrent with when, this was a bit after Star Citizen was crowdfunded, if memory serves. I'd have to go back in time and look it up specifically. But anyways, they licensed the Wing Commander IP and then decided that they could do something better. And so they announced Transverse, a sci-fi MMO kind of thing. And to be honest, I don't know if it's still in development or what the deal is. I imagine it died out and they just went back to making MechWarrior. Um, But yeah, they grabbed the IP, negotiated some kind of deal, and then decided to just sit on it and do nothing with it. Because they thought they could do better on their own, I guess. I don't know. So EA sold the IP for no return on that investment, basically. Basically, and yeah, they licensed it out, and then they got nothing back for it. And yeah, so you think that potentially they're not wanting to let go of any old school franchise that would they go outside their control, a la Ultima or anything else in the old Origin catalog? Yeah, like strictly speaking, I can't point to that as a causal thing, but equally, since they are demonstrably cagey with doing anything with their old properties, does anybody? I, sorry. Yeah. No, Does go ahead. anybody know what the relationship is between Broadsword and EA? Because from what I can tell, they're not wholly owned, I don't think. And they still actively develop and maintain. So, I mean, they snap. Well, Broadsword is basically online. just whatever was left of Mythic, right? Is it? Yeah. Like, there's, yeah. like it's it basically all the people who, or, well, not all the people. Like, a lot of the people Mythic went on to other jobs. But it was basically sort of like the core... Uh, the core team for UO and Dayok from Mythic um, basically just spun themselves off as Broadsword 
and they are essentially contractors for EA to maintain those MMOs. Okay. Yeah, contracting makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess if yeah, if you actually just search for Broadsword, the game studio, you'll get Mythic Entertainment's website that will relocate you to Broadsword. Yep. I didn't realize they were still so closely related or hanging on to that identity. I'd they be more are. excited if it was another studio with a bit of a more free license that they could be like, hey, mm-hmm. we want to, you know, sell some more merch or something, put something else on the store, maybe something low risk but low margin like a tabletop. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't that be something? Right. I feel like I remember EA trying some sort of an experimental program like that where they tried to give indie budget level budgets to indie level development studios to see what they would make. But I don't think I ever heard about any games coming out that really shook up the market in a way or made a splash in headlines for that sort of investor that they were, I think, hoping for. Again, this is an old memory of a rumor of a headline that I saw somewhere. So I... I'm working off of fuzzy recollections at best with that anecdote. Yeah, for sure. So, anyways, that's kind of the sorted history, or a very condensed version of sort of the sorted history of, yeah, EA has been historically quite cagey with releasing the Ultima franchise, and a lot of their other old franchises too, for any kind of third-party development. But that doesn't stop, you know, us from... <laughs> How would you reboot the series, you know? Um, say, it doesn't stop us from speculating or remaking the unholy bejesus out of it. Do it, right? <laughs> we just yeah, right. that. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Golden Flame, you've got the Dark Unknown, which is certainly Ultima adjacent. It is. Yeah. Is that your product? Is that it, what you're it, working on? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, cool. The Dark mm-hmm. Unknown. And mm-hmm. Sayer, obviously, you've got U60. You've taken that one over and done amazing things with it. Like, it's awesome. Thank you. And yeah, uh, yeah, I enjoy that a lot. Yeah. And like even today, I was posting news about that Age of Singularity project. Um, yep. Unity based, fairly faithful remake of U6, or at least that's what it aims to be, which is also awesome because we need more Ultima 6. And speaking of more Ultima 6, there's also oh, the Exalt Ultima 6 that just left beta. Yeah. Like, so how neat is like that? that? Yeah. It is so cool seeing such old games still being supported in all these different ways. I think I saw at least two different uh, patches to Exalt drop this week on the Dragon's Discord server. Yep. They're, I mean, those guys are constantly hammering away at it. So yeah, if you're following like the uh, Bleeding Edge updates, um, it's constantly updating. And if you're on like the uh, test flight for the iOS, that updates at least once a month. So Exalt Ultima 6 is something that I had never thought I would hear or see um, ever. And I don't know how many, or how yeah, how many or how in depth the docs that were recovered for Lost Veil, vale, but as like would like fans trying to do Lost Veil vale on Pentagram, would that be like a possibility? Would that be in the same realm as this is? I thought that would be pretty neat. It, from what I recall, like the the entire plot of Lost Veil vale is just gone to history, right? So whatever could be created would be more or less speculation, fan theory, and hopes and dreams as far as whatever got put out at the end, right? Yeah. yeah. Although, like, we have had a fair bit of it come to light since. A lot of that is on the uh, gallery at the Codex. Mm-hmm. So probably not enough to actually build the whole thing, but could fill in the gaps, maybe. Yeah. Filling all the gaps. Speculation. Yeah, there are, you know, some sort of mods for 
exult in just gameplay wise. And then there have been a number of projects over the years that were attempts to do either new games or uh, recreations in exult. And the Ultima six one is one of the first ones that's actually like made it to the finish line. Um, I've never heard of anyone attempting any kind of mod or addition or anything to Ultima eight in Pentagram or Scum VM, where I guess Pentagram is now, right? Mm. And so I don't know enough. Uh, yeah, I don't know enough about what it's like to work with Pentagram to know whether it's something where you really could go in and build something new. But, you know, as much as there are people, I mean, obviously, opinion, it is, uh, an understatement to say that opinions about Ultima 8 are mixed. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know what you but mean. Even uh, people who really liked aspects of the plot and such, for the most part, I don't really hear anybody clamoring to go back to the specific engine. Mechanics. For, and like I say that, I got part, get part way through that sentence, and then I remember that Crusader existed. Right. Yeah. The general vibe that I've gotten, uh, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm still relatively new to the franchise as far as playing it goes, but I have at least booted every game up and played through about a half hour at least of all of them. Ultimate 8 feels very Diablo-esque and very much more action RPG. It attempted an action RPG compared to the more turn-based slower, more methodical RPGs like uh, Ultimus 4, 5, and 6. Uh, so Ultima 8 is the one where you hear, you read the back of the box, you read story summaries, and it, seemed, it, it is a very neat concept that I think could be very well implemented. But I don't, I've never heard anybody really say much about how much they enjoyed the mechanics of, of Pagan. Uh, I've heard plenty of people... Uh, say that they liked a lot some elements of seven or nine or the different underworlds. I've I'm genuinely struggling to think if I've ever heard people clung clamoring, shouting from the rooftops that Pagan is the one that they want to see uh, develop more than any other. And I could be wrong that there obviously have been people out there who are like that, but I just haven't heard it as much. Well, they went heavy to patch it while it was relevant, so maybe it would be a good candidate for like a total redo. At least when it came out, people wanted it to be better enough for a few additions here or there. But yeah, pretty much everything you said is true. I'll tell you what I wish I had as far as rebooting or continuing Ultima. I, I said it earlier in, in the uh, in the Dragon's Discord, but I would love another tr- trilogy just to sign off. Just to give me a little bit more, right? Um, but I don't think it's the right move. I think probably one reason that EA is so you know, cagey, right, on their properties is is because they're risky because you're messing with a lot of people's feelings, I guess, or, and and maybe it's, you know, you don't, you don't do it right. And people, it's just, it it puts a lot of risk on you. They didn't even, you know, everyone's wanted an Ultima server that was like, you know, old school forever. And Calvin was going to do it. And they were just like, well, we can't find the exact patch to do it we're getting so much mixed up and we don't want to just take off the whole fan base so they canned it and that's like pretty much every popular at least that i know um gray shard out there is you know some pre-aos some t2a 
thing. So I think it's probably not the right idea to just continue Ultima. I think a soft reboot is is probably the way. I'd love to see some sort of right. Yeah, that's just that's what I that's think. that's sort of been my idea idea as well. And uh, I'm trying to learn a little bit of Game Maker with the monolithic tasks in front of me because I have I I don't know any programming, so this is a huge hill for me to climb. It's more of like a spiritual successor. If Ultima were to be officially continued by EA, the gap between Ultima 9's release and now is 24 years. And the gap between a Kalabeth and Ultima 9 is from 79 to 99 is 20 years. So the franchise has been dormant if longer than it was alive. So at this point, trying to continue a direct sequel from Ultima 9, I don't think is uh, particularly feasible. But a soft reboot that alludes to the events of the first nine games, I think could be much more palatable, uh, that still kind of honors the, the the people who grew up with, with the original franchise, but isn't so dense with lore and old history that you need to do a whole lot of onboarding for a newer audience. It would be like doing a new Star Wars movie after however many years since the last... Oh, wait. <laughs> true. Ooh, no, you're speaking of uh, speaking of tr- speaking of uh, people who want a new ending to a the sequel trilogy, that, that's true. Oh lord, uh, I, I feel like um, yeah, like doing a, a game that is somehow a sequel to nine is basically just starting a new franchise and and deciding this is the backstory. I mean, there's no. There's, it's been so long, there's nowhere to stand, especially right. given the way Nine ended. Um, in, in some but, ways, I think with a little bit of, of hand waving, the way Nine ended could, and this is getting to the nitty gritty of like plot specifics, because there's a couple different ways you would look at this, whether it's the in-universe plot versus the out-of-universe business decisions or business and marketing decisions. But I, I think that the ending to, to U9 with a little bit of retconning and tweaking could work um, potentially if it's handled carefully uh, with the Armageddon spell going off and then Ultimate 10 sort of being a reboot of the slate of the world has been wiped clean. So all the old stories are forgotten. So now we can Hey, that's the whole point of the, the spell, right? Right, right. I mean... It, there's there is and and it, this is going to be an an entertaining statement to make, but there is a sense in which we are describing Shroud of the Avatar. Only a very you're not wrong. sense. <laughs> you're not. I, I get what you're, we are coming from. Yeah. I guess my focus is I'm wanting to pitch a single player RPG and not an MMO. Um, there's not been. I was about to make a statement and then I realized I am wholly unqualified to make that statement. Cause I was about to say, I don't think that any MMOs have really had really memorable story beats in them. And then I think to myself, well, world of Warcraft's been around for almost 20 years and I never even made a trial. Final Fantasy 14 people will shank you for that statement. That's probably fair. Cause I know nothing about that. I dabbled in guild wars too, like maybe a couple hours a year for the past 10 years. And that's about it. So I was about to say it thought better of it. Walked it back, yeah, and then still said it anyways. <laughs> and, you know, makes for well, good content. Well, you know, I'll take, I'll take that. Well, you know, like my in my head, you know, I, I, and I'm totally on board with like having it be some kind of single player game. Um, I don't think I, I'm not really still a big fan of multiplayer stuff, even though I have dabbled in some MMOs over the years. But 
I do like, don't hate me for this, I like some of what I see with Genshin Impact, which I know we've talked about on the podcast before, but hear me out, because like this is sort of my, if I was doing an Ultima, the thought that I've had, and this for years now, was that, well, I mean, I could go in, in one of two ways, <laughs> um, you know, and we've talked in past episodes about like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to like move Ultima out into other genres? Like I would love an RTS type thing set between three and four and the wars of unification. But if I was going to reboot the series and do something new, I probably want something like Genshin Impact in several of the design terms, 3D, open world. But of course, I would want much more interactivity, right? being able to manipulate objects in the world. And I mean, you'd have to figure out how to do that with a controller, but I had a couple of ideas on the drive home earlier today that might, I don't know, I'd have to sketch it out in a book to, to see if it would work. But, but you know, open world, not necessarily done to like hugely triple A um, graphics. I don't necessarily need like the highest of hi-fi graphics. I'd be fine with something like, you know, a painterly style with reasonably like realistically shaped models right so not like the anime style and not overdone not like squishy disney pixar characters either you know right generally human looking characters but still like done in sort of maybe like a painterly style like um like genshin impact or like the puss in boots movie the last one that just came out and cross-platform still single player but the ability to move your character move your save from your phone to your switch to your xbox to your pc oh like like oh, a, your, nice. your your account history is like a, a cloud-based sort of thing exactly exactly I'm, and I, you know the funny thing is ultima again i'm playing ultima 4 using the gog galaxy or gog galaxy i'm not sure yeah, yeah. The proper pronunciation of it but i have it on my laptop so i go out i visit my girlfriend i play a little bit i i found mundane skull today for the first time playing the game and i'm like this is so yeah, cool but it's also kind of weird that I'm pl- that this is a coming up on a forty year old game, and it still is has the sense of mystery and adventure and wonder. Okay, I'm gonna turn off my laptop, go home, boot it up on my desktop with four monitors, and it's about a grand and a half machine, and I'm gonna boot up something that I could play on my on a on a Dreamcast VMU. Probably has the horsepower to handle it. Probably. Uh, and the save picks right back up with my ship. Uh, where I left it on the laptop. So kind of the same thing as what you're proposing here, where you pick it up on one, to put it down on one device and you can pick it up on another one. Yeah. And then in terms of like a story beat, you know, actually the thought that I had was like, you would start the story in the modern world. Um, and you wouldn't be like the stranger from another world. You'd be some totally different random person, create your own character, whatever. And my thought was that you would be like some kind of soldier on a peacekeeping mission or something somewhere. And you'd be walking through this sort of outdoor marketplace and there'd be some kind of, you know, terrorist attack or whatever. You'd end up in a bit of a gunfight. And as you're running through the marketplace, you would inevitably like blunder through somebody's kiosk. And they would have like, you know, a little dish of gemstones and polished rocks that were being sold for nothing. And you'd like, you know, you'd, you'd end up with like a rock in your hand and you'd like put it down and a moon gate pops up. And, you know, some other event would force you essentially through the moon gate and you would land in, you know, Britannia. And then the next story beat was like, um, you know, in the Narnia movies, like you go from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Care Paravel is this gorgeous palace, but then you'd go to the next Narnia movie and it's Prince Caspian and Care Paravel is like just ruins. 
Right. Now, so, you, I, I have to ask you, talk about the Disney uh, Narnia, so the old BBC ones. Well, admittedly, I never saw the BBC ones. So for me, the visual is, the, is, is, the, is the Walden Media ones, the Disney ones. I guess Disney owns them now. Um, but yes, you know, that, that idea is like, you know, you've, you end up in Britannia, but the kingdom itself is, you know, in a way has like sort of long been uh, at least like the, the main cities have kind of, you know, faded into ruins. And this is the part where it gets a little bit muddy in my mind because I mean, I'm never going to build this thing. So I don't really bother thinking it through too much, but like you could get like, you know, you could go, you could harken back to Ultima two. You could get some like time mechanics in there and you could have some of, you know, like whether they're trapped in the spirit realm or whatever, but like you could have some of the old companions come back. And if, if you couldn't get Richard Garriott back, well, you could borrow a note from, um, Ultima forever and have lady British come back and it'd be like this story of reclaiming the kingdom, but another, another universe, a slightly different tweaked, you know, yeah. world. Little, yeah, little, kind of a little everything everywhere all at once sort of yeah figure, figure it out from there but you know like that's kind of I, I would love to have an ultima like that and you know then the nice thing about games with that online connectivity even if they are single player games is that you can do like live updates right you know genshin impact again uh, is a great example because they are constantly like, pushing new content and new storylines and new quest lines to the game Right, which that is one of the the things that I did have enjoyed about Guild Wars too is they have what's called the live story. So it's an MMO with the intent being they have live story beats, um, kind of divided up into seasons, and each season has an overall goal or antagonist for the players to take out. And that was something that I, that's something I hadn't considered is this uh, live updates or sequential updates post release, which is a fun idea. Because I do like the idea of finding like the one engine that really works and then just continually building on it, adding onto it, evolving it. Uh, yeah. I guess the I guess the king of that would be a lot of MMOs. So World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy fourteen, Guild Wars two, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Would be kind of the champions of that, I'd imagine. Ultima online. Yeah, no, for sure. Kind of the idea in my head was was a bit different because as, as Gonzo Fun as Ultima's 1, 2, and 3 are. Um, in Ultima 4, to me, is kind of where the series really hits its stride. Because part of examining all this going on the, the Ultima subreddit and the Discord server and the Codex is, especially for such an old franchise that did a, a lot of things so differently, is trying to kind of nail down what is it that makes an Ultima game feel like an Ultima game? Is it the interactivity of the world? Is it the sandbox elements? Uh, for me, it's the uh, focus on on virtues and ethics and morality is where the series really got interesting to me. So primarily four and five are to me the most interesting points of the series so far uh, of the of the series. Uh, along with eight, had a lot of potential that I don't I don't think was properly followed up on in nine. From what I've seen, again, haven't played all the way through eight through nine. I'm, my information is somewhat slipshod on that. I will fess up if I put my foot in my mouth. I had a bad habit of doing that back in college. <laughs> um, but my idea for this uh, does not involve someone uh, moongating from Earth through to Britannia. Um, Ultimos 1 through 3 are basically the action-heavy prologue that you, sort of in the same vein that you would get in a Metroid game or in a Symphony of the Night, where you have a an original hero who has all the enchanted armor, weapons, spells, everything, and the prologue is the sequence that teaches you how the game's mechanics work. Uh, 
he takes out a big mundane or exodus style villain at the climax of the prologue the castle falls smoke rises up uh and then the camera the camera pans up to the crumbling smoke this tavern the camera pans down again uh to the smoke is now the smoke of a campfire with this old grandpa telling stories to a crowd of children uh, spousing the the virtues of the old champion from centuries past uh, we try to live by his example, but there's been no one as good and virtuous as this is the old champion. And uh, one kid like picks a little stick in a, a cooking pot lid or something like that and, uh, and vows to be the champion of the land. And that's the player character. Um, and then from there, you can sort of go along and more or less have a, a polished up, modernized remake of Ultima 4 is what I'm kind of penciling out design notes for as i'm uh, learning programming on game maker but the more i pencil it out the more i'm not sure of exactly what it is that i'm even trying to make because my first thought initially was oh well i don't i've never really been a huge fan of turn-based games so i'll make something that's more like an old school 2d top-down zelda game but the more i think about it and pencil it out the less certain i am of that and the more i'm trying to like block out other different engines in my head which Again, I have all these ideas for uh, hidden ancient languages and a, and a spell casting mechanic. Um, that it, it's tricky to try and try and find all that out, but it kind of plays with the same ideas of keeping one through three as your uh, action heavy prologue, and then going into four, five, six, and the rest as a distant, far distant on a timeline uh, sequence of events. So I have more of a of a plot sketched out in my head than any sort of design mechanics but aesthetically i think it'd be fun to sort of invoke that old school frank fazetta-esque sort of 60s 70s 80s fantasy that has kind of been forgotten and in some ways is making a comeback um without so much leg and thigh showing i don't know why frazetta had such a such a thing for that on his oryx but uh, i would like to try to avoid that if at all possible sounds like a pretty good approach i'm suddenly imagining the an ultima dragon slayer crossover Oh, oh, Dragon Slayer! I huh, nice. I, I hadn't considered some that cartoony, but it's I have no animation skill despite my username. Sorry, <laughs> you're just a critic. It's fine. <clears throat> yeah, but again, it's but that's sort of the thing that has really struck with me is going through everything is going through post histories on the subreddit on the Discord, like I said earlier. Everybody's got so many different ideas that yes. even if EA were to announce. E3 is no longer a thing, for example. But if they were to get up on stage in E3 and say, we're remaking Ultima, and it's going to be in the, with the gameplay style of an Elder Scrolls, it's going to be a first-person, single-player sandbox RPG. There would be so many people who would be unhappy with that decision, even if it had perfectly polished mechanics and 8K ray tracing, the best graphics ever, even if it was bugless and glitchless on release. It, it still would not feel like Ultima to some people. Uh, and I'm not dismissing them because of that, just because after so much time uh, with such a, a big history about and it doing so many different things, what makes Ultima Ultima? And it's different for everybody. Oh, yeah, it's an absolutely huge debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I even found myself kind of shuddering at the thought of the Skyrim perspective. I don't know what I would really want, maybe like an over the shoulder, something like that. Right. And to be fair, I actually did pick Skyrim because I kind of suspected that at least one person here would go, ew, no. Yeah, I like Skyrim. Fine game. Enjoyed it. 
That's just not how I like my Ultima served. I mean, I did play through all of Skyrim with the camera set to be over the shoulder. Right. Except every 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 now and then you had to go first person because the game wouldn't let you interact with something that was too close to your feet or something like that. And you could never see it to interact with it. But right. That's beside the point. So it sounds like in your idea, um, critic, that you're thinking like the the next avatar would come from within Britannia, this child. Yes. You, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I, again, hindsight that I grew to not like quite as much as the series went on is that the guy who saves the land is not of the land. Um, and that, again, that's a, that's a personal gripe. Um, and also, I something that I always kind of hope to see in reading the the codex wiki dumps and and going through the articles and going on a an ultimate wiki binge there was only ever one avatar and i was never quite sure why there couldn't be more than one um because i I always look we've discovered ultima forever again i was just gonna say i was i was just thinking like because like i think ultima 4 right is a very logical way back into the ultimate like a reboot sure start ultimate before it makes the most sense and oh, then right. you know ea thought that at least for a moment and right ultimate forever and then everyone could be an avatar you know they were all already there in britannia just citizens questing for the avatar um, right even when the spiritual successor came along you know um for ultima stride of the avatar you were still coming from the outside even then um yeah but yeah i i I still think it could work. I still th- think Ultimate Forever could work. I mean, uh, if you accept the lore as exists through the series as was published, it's a good thing that 200 people didn't become avatars because then we'd have 200 guardians. Yeah. yeah. A lot of yeah. Uh, Maybe we'll divide their power out, though. <laughs> We're lucky. It's not, it's not, you know, one guardian with 200 alt avatar powers in him. It's just, you know, 200 person sized guardians with. A two hundredth of the power spread amongst them. The old horse duck debate, right? Yeah, exactly. Thank <laughs> you. I got I got lost there for a moment. But yeah, the guardian—that's a whole other, whole other big red Muppets, Muppet-looking kettle of fish that I'm not touching right now. Well, and that's the nice thing. If you're starting from you know Ultima Four, you don't have to solve that problem in Ultima Four. Right. Exactly. Um, and if 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 theoretically, you know, I'm still. My programming skills so far is I can make my character walk and throw pot. And that's about all I can program my game my game to do. So huge task ahead of me. But of course, because I'm a madman, I've started plotting out themes and ideas for plot elements of sequel games. Why? Why am I doing this to myself? Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, like the, I like the potential of, again, in a single-player RPG. Because in an MMO, you have the problem of the chosen many, you know, you have the chosen one or the chosen few, but in MMO, you have the chosen exactly the number of, of this, as a subscriber base. But I thought there'd be interesting ideas if in a single player RPG, you have two avatars who come into conflict with each other ideologically. How does that get resolved? Uh, an idea that I had, I always thought Ultima 4 was really interesting because it was very much defined in some aspects by it not having a big central antagonist where you beat the monster and you win the game. Um, good as is good as defined by a, a quest of self enlightenment and self mastery. Uh, but what if there's an antagonist in the game who wants there to be a chosen hero for the people to look up to, but he only believes that great good can come about through defeating great evil. And since there's no great evil, 
well, he's going to have to make some great evil for a great good to appear. Yeah. I mean, that sort of madman type plot has, isn't that the Incredibles? Kind of. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but it kind of is. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to go that direction, but I can absolutely see where that came from. Uh, again, I'm going to have to look into that some more. Uh, just drawing on all these different elements. Everyone's an avatar, but nobody is. Well, and I mean, like, at the end of the day, it's not like you need to have, you know, an absolutely, like, bold and original new idea. Ultima wasn't a bold and original new idea in many respects, right? No. The first RPG, um, you know, some, like, you you can argue that, like, sort of the more morality-focused plot lines of, say, an Ultima 4, like, that was definitely a novel thing. But, you know, fantasy RPGs didn't get invented by Richard Garriott. Um, no. Didn't Akalabeth, wasn't it originally called D28 back when he first programmed it? Because it was the yeah, 28th... it was just based on some of his D&D campaigns. Right, exactly. So, you know, tracing the history of it back, you know, Ultima was based on uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which was based on Tolkien, which was based on Norse mythology. It's just this, you can, like, track, like, a like a lineage or, like, a family tree going way back, seeing where, you know, what influenced what. And I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't need to be, yeah, it doesn't need to be like, you know, an absolutely bold and original new thing. It just needs to, it just needs to work in the way that, you know, an Ultima, we've kind of come to expect. So what does that mean? I mean, and again, like, and that's a dangerous question and we don't have time for that because like I said, we're turning to a pumpkin in about nine minutes here. You know, we don't have time for that. You ask, what is an Ultima? You get about as many answers as there are Ultima fans. Right. But there are, you know, I, I think most would agree, especially from four onward, that, you know, um, the companions are integral, or if not the canonical companions, you know, as party members, then certainly um, a strong contingent of companions who reappear from game to game, um, a world that is very rewarding of exploration, that is generally fairly open, Um especially if you're going from like Ultima 5, 6, 7, 8, and even 9, um, the interactivity factor, you know, that world sim element is a big deal. It really, it needs to, it's a world that needs to already feel inhabited. It needs, it's, you know, it's a world that needs to be lived in already. And you're kind of just passing through it. Yeah, you gotta keep it a minimum schedules and and the liveliness of your surroundings. Right. That you like until Ultima. Go on, sorry. Now you have to say the schedules. Yeah, schedules didn't show up till five. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, since five was pretty much the first game to do schedules, period, you can't really hold it against the rest of them. Um, I I kind of feel like so. I completely agree that if there's going to be a reboot, that four is where to start. Four is the most iconic of the series. Four was the most groundbreaking of the series. Um, but everything else, like you make a list of what you think should be in an Ultima and, you know, companions that show up uh, across multiple games, uh, world interactivity although not nearly as much as we'd like generally open world etc there are games out there that satisfy all of those criteria well the the interactivity part's still coming along 
it's a it's a little shaky. Um, but yeah, I feel like I feel like what you need to focus on if you want it to be to, to justify calling it Ultima rather than some other property has to be the virtues. Yes. That's, See, and that's why Ultima 7 is not a particularly good Ultima. It's, it, I, I've heard that it's some, I think that 4 is the iconic one personally, but I've heard some people say that 7 is the peak of the franchise. For most people, people 7 is. Six For most people, if you ask on the street, 7 is. Um, but I am very antagonistic toward it just for the silence of the virtues. Right. It, it kind of might be one of those things where people may, the, the themes of four are superior, but people appreciate the game, the, the moment to moment gameplay loops and mechanics more. Seven was, you know, seven wasn't surpassed as an open world game for a decade or more. Uh, and as far as just its open worldness, not as a game that is open world, but um, it, it's very lived in. It, you can run around and do stuff in whatever order you want. Introduces the Guardian, who that was that was real cool, especially at the time. So, yeah, there's a lot of of love for for seven. I feel like there's a lot of people who might call it the game they most enjoy in the series and possibly think it's the best game in the series, but they would still probably call for a more iconic game in the series. I mean, I think five's the best personally, but I'm stubborn like that. But well, it, it seems to me like five works is kind of, there's there are, some games through history, which are really good sequels to their predecessor um, off the top of my head. Assassin's Creed two is a very good, well-made sequel to Assassin's Creed one. Um, Batman Arkham City compared to Batman Arkham Asylum. My much in that same sort of vein, uh, Ultima 4 was, was a fantastic game on its own, but Ultima 5 took all of what Ultima, a lot of what Ultima 4 did and expanded and went even more in depth on it with things like, like schedules, uh, expansion on the, the thematic elements of the virtues and tw- yeah, the theme of the virtues and then you get the variation of Blackthorn's virtues. Right. Which I thought I, I agree with you that thematically speaking, I think five is is kind of the most interesting, but it only works if you have four as the base to build upon. True. You couldn't just have released five uh, as the first game in a series and expected it to work. Right. You could have done Especially a- since, right, if five came out in a vacuum with a Tybert who's corrupting the laws of the land, it, it still works. But when you have four and he's corrupting your virtues that you right. lived in quest of four so hard, that makes it that much more resonant, thematic, and personal and, and more powerful. So as far as what I would do with it, and I've talked about this on the Discord and in probably on other episodes of this podcast, I mean, for one thing, I did write a 30-something thousand-word fanfic that's up on the Dragon Press. Um, yeah, that- you did. That I that I started before nine came out, uh, but you'll, then you'll have to send me the link to that, please. <laughs> um, and it was going to be the first of three parts. The first part, which is what I did write, is the Guardians' invasion of Britannia while the Avatar is on Pagan, um, and it involved uh, Lord British's daughter, 
because I went with the whole Nell thing. Um, and so Lord British's newborn daughter gets taken away from the ruins as Britannia is conquered and raised in the woods by a redeemed Blackthorn in a sort of Merlin King Arthur kind of thing. And then part two was going to be her becoming the next avatar. And then part three was going to be the original avatar coming back and the two avatars encountering each other. I love it. And, and defeating yeah. the guardian. Uh, I wound up deciding that I just did not have the chops to write part two, but part two, I initially was like, okay, never mind this. I'm going to actually try to do this as a game. I'm going to try to make this game. And so my idea for part two, where, and this would be, what I would do if I had a bankroll and the license, I would do an Ultima 4 uh, redo that basically uh, stole a bunch of the sort of themes and sort of mechanics from the later Persona series. Swap out social links for virtues at, at each of the cities you gain a party member who has some kind of struggle or issue or problem that is centered on some virtue, you help them through it over the course of plot. And in the process of teaching them how to properly do compassion, do justice, etc., you learn it yourself until at the end you've helped these eight people do these things, and now you're an avatar. I realize that I am just... With enough money, I would have to go and hire writers to help me actually write all those through lines because right. I'm not that good. And that's why the whole thing just wound up being a, well, this is what I would like to see, but I'm not going to actually try to do it. And instead, I'm doing something else. Uh, but if I did have the license and a pile of money, that's the direction that I would go. I wouldn't do the game as a JRPG style. I, I don't want that. But um, the idea of of character of of, the, of companion struggles being a thematic parallel to the main player character's growth as an avatar. Yeah, is... I mean, I absolutely loved Persona Four in particular out of the series so far. Um, uh, Five's gameplay is a little better, but. Four is the first game that I've played since Ultima where you gain power by making other people better people. Oh, that's something else I would have loved to have seen in Ultima 9. But I, I, I really do like that idea of well as well, where it, it does not come down on your shoulders. It comes down to everybody around you. I think that is not something that's done enough, and I, I would love to see something like that. That sounds fantastic. It does. Well, that brings it to the end of time for me, unfortunately. So yeah. I guess maybe just as a closer, I'll kick it out to the audience. You're, of course, always welcome to send us feedback with your own thoughts on, you know, any of the things we've said here or uh, what's your own thoughts about, you know, how would you reboot the uh, Ultima series? And in the meantime, well, thank you all for coming out tonight. It's good to actually do one of these again. It's been far, far, far too long. Yeah, this was very cool. I had a great time. Yeah, it was nice to meet new people and see old people again. Well, thank you for making me feel welcome. I just sort of threw the idea out there on a lark on the Discord earlier today and didn't think that it would happen tonight. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Thank you for making me feel so welcome. 
yeah, you are welcome. It's very, very nice meeting you. All right. Thank you. Well, y'all have a good night, and uh, hopefully we can do this again. I'm going to get to bed myself. It's about 1245 out for me. I'm out in the Ohio area. Good gotcha. night, then. Good Take night. care, all. Bye. See you again. Good night. If you want to join the Ultimate Dragons, you can do so at udic.org, where at you can choose your very own dragon name. You can also find the Ultimate Dragons on Facebook. We have a Facebook group there. And you can follow at Ultimate Dragons on Twitter or join them on Discord. And if you're feeling really old school, you can even fire up a Telnet client and check out the Wearmount. Hit up the show notes for links to all of these. If you want to participate more directly in the podcast, you can send us an email. Or if you're feeling a little bit braver, leave us a voice message in one of three places, the podcast website, our Facebook page, or on anchor.fm. And you're also welcome to join us on our Discord server to chat with us, to lurk, or even contribute to podcast recordings when they happen. And again, links in the show notes. If you'd like to support Spam 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 Humbug, you can do so at patreon.com slash ultimacodex, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to episodes the day before they go live to the general public. You'll also get access to behind-the-scenes audio when we have some to share, and possibly other interesting content. But we also welcome your moral support. You can like the Ultima series on Facebook, follow at Ultima Codex on Twitter, or leave the podcast a review on iTunes. And you're also welcome to share our episodes with your friends and social media circles. Spam 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 Humbug is a production of the Ultima Codex. You can find show notes online at spamspamspamhumbug.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be virtuous. Be virtuous.